but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hello everybody, welcome back to the Body Serve. I'm Jonathan. I'm James. Today's a special day. Why is that? Um, it's because we just got back from Cincinnati. That is true. Yeah. We had Waffle House. Yeah, that was special. Mm-hmm. We I'm trying to think, is there anything else important today? Mm-hmm. It Be is... careful how how long yeah. you stretch this on for. It's Jonathan's birthday today. Correct. I still have two hours and fifty-seven minutes left. August nineteenth, nineteen ninety-six. A blessed day. 96. Wow. What a moment. What a year. Mm -hmm. A little did you know you were be you were going to be graduating college in that year. That's when I stopped celebrating birthdays, just like Mariah at 12. (laughs) I've had anniversaries only since. Mm. So happy birthday to Jonathan. Yeah, I I will thank you because not only did you buy me Waffle House, which was a self-serving gift. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, I'm sure you'd admit that. But you drove the entire way home. All I, Literally, all I had to do was sit there and eat my food. I know. It's good practice. It's something <laughs> you should try more often. Just I also got to nap for food. a couple hours. Mm. It's like, wow, this podcast is boring. And <laughs> off I went. All right. We've been in Cincinnati for the past uh, nine or ten days for basically every day of the tournament. And we just want to wrap it up in a little bow because we were there in kind of an official capacity for... Uh, the third or fourth year? Fourth. 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 It was fourth. fourth. <laughs> yeah, got it. It was my third year there um, in the press room. And I learned something new every time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's something that I do fairly infrequently because we have regular jobs. We don't travel to tennis tournaments that often. So you sort of have to get into practice again. It takes a couple of days before you get into to the full swing of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and keep you less tangential than normal. I just noticed you were veering off mm-hmm. the rails oh. a bit just now. Oh, business only. So we're going to... Let's get down to business. We're going to do more rather than say more mm-hmm. on this episode. Yeah. X's and O's. In the women's final, Madison Keys defeated Svetlana Kuznetsova 7-5, 7-6. And wow, this was a final that we would have signed up for. Mm-hmm. At the start of the tournament, three rounds happened since the last time we came to you. In the in the quarterfinals, Madison beat Venus handily. It was a sparkling display from her of controlled power. Kennen beat Osaka, who had to retire in the third set. Kuznetsova beat Pliskova in sweltering conditions on the grandstand. Quite a dramatic match. Oh, that was a whole thing, wasn't it? Pliskova seemed to be bullying her around the court for for the first set. Mm-hmm. They went on a heat break after the second set. Svetlana tried to get some medical work while Carolina was off the court. There was a thing about that because it's a, a strange rule, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't really an invitation to talk about it just yet. I was oh. just recapping. Okay, because I was feeling that that was really boring. So In the other quarterfinal... Ash Barty beat somebody whom I cannot quite remember. Do you remember who that was? Who Maria did Ash... Sakari. Sakari, yes. And I feel so bad because she had just come off that wonderful match against mm. Sabalenka. Yeah. 
and uh, Barty beat her pretty pretty easily despite squandering away the first set lead. In that final, Madison and Svetlana played a great match. It was only two sets, but it was back and forth. Svetlana served for the set in both sets at 5-3 and was broken both times. Mm-hmm. She secured early breaks in both sets, had the chance, as you said, to serve it out, and Madison was just steady when it really counted. For a lot of the first set, Svetlana was outplaying her, was outsmarting her, was using kind of looping forehands to to push her back, and it was really working. Like, it was eliciting a lot of errors from Madison. She targeted Madison's backhand with those looping shots. She was able to to get ahead in both sets with a subpar serve. Mm -hmm. She had told us heading into the final that she had picked up a little bit of a niggle that kind of hindered her on the serve in terms of the speed. So maybe two or three times a match you'd see her crank it up to 103-104. But for the most part, she was up 5-3 in both sets with a first serve that never hit 100 miles an hour. Yeah. She brought her veteran while to this final. And uh, the, the tennis that she had been playing, her brand of tennis, was at a very high level. But Madison was able to hone in the worst of her instincts and uh, bring the best of her game. And the two of those working together and against each other, both of their best, made for a compelling final. I thought it was a very good match. Svetlana has a tendency to get into a lot of entertaining matches just because of the way her game looks. Because she's creative, she has a lot of tools to choose from, and she can be very clever on court. Sometimes in her career she has not been very clever on court, or has not sort of risen to the occasion even though she has so much talent. And she mentioned in press that sometimes she has trouble picking apart someone's game, especially if they're new. Now, with Madison, they had played three times previously, Madison beat her every time, and in this match, it really looked like Svetlana was going to turn that around. But as you said, Madison's game, like when she can tamp down those those flaws, that excess, there's not a lot you can do. Because, we, you know, we've seen the numbers that nobody on the women's side, at least a few years ago, hit harder off the ground than Madison. And physics exists. Right? So there's only so much you can do if she's accurate. Some of those on-the-run forehand winners down the line, mad. Svetlana got herself into what she thought was winning positions, and uh, they ended up not being because of mm-hmm. those mad, maddy shots. And you can just hear people up in the press room laughing after some of these shots, because it's just like, oh, oh, okay. Because when she can turn that on, it's like, good night. For her part, Madison was very even-keeled in press after the win. She was not about to engage with any questions, setting her up as a favorite for the U.S. Open, Mm. trying to have her be extra excited about getting the biggest win of her career, get her to, to be overly indulgent about having beaten four multiple Grand Slam champions on her path to the final. The, the, the players that she beat, it was a murderer's row, in effect. She started out beating Muguruza in the first round, which was a rematch of a quarterfinal she lost two years ago in Cincinnati. Then she beat Kazatkina, Halep, Venus, Kennan, and then Kuznetsova in the final. All told, if you add those up, Muguruza 2, Halep 2, that's 4, Venus 7, 11, 
and Kuznetsova too. That's thirteen Grand Slam titles <laughs> in that field of mm-hmm. players that she beat. But it was just like, oh, I'm happy, happy I won. Yeah, you know, I've was, worked hard. To me, it seemed like a very purposeful calmness. I'm sure she was excited, but it was calculated almost that she was trying to keep expectations at a minimum. But I think, God, like, how can she not feel good about her game going into the U.S. Open, suffering through this horrible heat and humidity, and downplaying it in press afterwards, saying both players were like, "Yeah, it was it was hot, but it was fine. It was it was really bad yesterday. It was. Like, it may have felt differently in a third set had they gone mm, to one. Yeah." But I didn't feel they were being necessarily disingenuous. Both of them had played in the heat all week. Yeah. It, I got the impression that Sunday was really, really hot, but not necessarily as humid, which the humidity is really what oh, causes the did? damage. Yeah. Oof. Although, I mean, the ball was probably flying down there mm-hmm. in the heat, which is good for Madison. Most impressive for me, for Madison, was her movement. She's somebody yeah. who gets a lot of flack sometimes for not having the most fluid movement on a tennis court. But there were defensive rallies that she got into and got out mm. of yeah. with some incredible on-the-run backhand slices. Uh, she was a complete player, a complete calm player throughout this tournament. What's more to say about Svetlana's run? <laughs> I feel that we have kind of said it all throughout our week here. She was basically the theme of our, our coverage. And it was just too good of a story to to avoid. That's it? Well, in the semifinals, she played number one seed and now number two ranked Ashley Barty and kind of dismantled her. Yeah, in straight sets. Uh, (laughs) This after dismantling Sloane Stephens in the round of 16. (laughs) I've seen some people compare Kuznetsova and Barty's game and I get it. But, you know, Ash has a bigger serve. Ash is more suited to grass courts. Svetlana's not. Hmm. Yeah, except Barty's your reigning French Open champion. Well, I know, I know. But she... The comparison comes with the creativity in their game and the the many different tools that they have on a tennis court. That is correct. But Svetlana handled all of those things that Ash does and was like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I can do it myself. What else you got? That was the theme of Svetlana's run the entire week Mm -hmm. because she saw every aspect of a tennis player's game throughout her run. Mm-hmm. She yeah. was pushed back by Yastremska, somebody she had never played before. We talked about this on the previous episode, where she looked kind of blown out of the water. That's not the right way to say it, but, you know, she was on the back foot yeah, because she was not used to the power for a good set and a third. And then because she's a veteran and has all those skills was able to figure it out. And so every match you saw her figure it out, even in the final, she was figuring it out. She lost that first set after being up 5-3, losing the last four games to lose it 7-5, and she came right back out and got up a break lead yeah. again. Yeah. She was on the back foot against Pliskova, as we said in the quarterfinals. They were out on grandstand. It was hot that day, but it wasn't the hottest day of the week. It was very humid, though. It was. So there was a heat break. Pliskova disappeared. She came back. Svetlana was getting worked on. And Pliskova just sort of crashed on the couch. Just like laid down on the couch. She was pissed off. Like everybody was pissed for some reason. And I think they were just a little bit ornery in the heat. But man, she wilted big time. Like she was done in the third set. Absolutely cooked. 
I feel like that's an overstatement. It was competitive. It wasn't a runaway 6-1-6-2 set. She was in it for the most part. She was. Probably shouldn't have she been. She still competed. She did, yeah. It's a bit of a disservice to her. It's just my take on it. It looked like it would have been worse than uh. it actually was. In that match in that quarterfinal, if we just quickly run through those, Svetlana was a game away from crashing out of the tournament. Pliskova ran away with the first set before Svetlana clawed back a little bit. And then again, she was up a break in the second set and served for the match. Pliskova did. Mm. And Svetlana broke and eventually took that set running away in a tiebreak and then really was in the ascendancy the rest of the way. Yeah. Ash Barty playing Maria Sakari. She got up to a 5-2 lead, looked in complete control, and then let it slip. Yeah, and lost the first set. It's one of those things where you watch the match and you can tell that it's not because Sakari's raising her game and that's the exclusive reason why this is happening. Ash lost her way a little bit. And then she regrouped after the first set and then it was smooth sailing to the end, looking like your true number one seed. And then, man, I think on the last episode I said... The preferred matchup for Venus in the quarterfinals was Madison, as opposed to Simona Halep. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Venus tried, and I don't think she played that bad of a match. But Madison made her look a little bit slow on court, which is not shocking for a 39-year-old. But Venus was late to balls, framing balls, and unable to trouble her with her pace. And uh, Madison, every time... Venus got a break point. She was able to summon the one-two punch. That one-two punch that Venus was able to deploy against all her opponents throughout her career. On the last break point, Madison hit the serve out wide to the forehand and then just went inside out with the forehand winner. Boom, boom, and it was done. Venus, before she even fully turned to chase down that forehand, the point was the point mm-hmm. was over. And uh, I don't, I can't imagine what that was like to see the manifestation of yourself across the net. A better version of your current self of mm. what it used to be well it probably felt a little bit like playing Lindsay davenport back then whom venus lost to many times and beat many times i watched that match i have literally no memory of it, it I, for some reason i can't remember it it went by very quickly <laughs> and in the last quarterfinal on the women's side sonia cannon beat naomi osaka Naomi lost the first set, but seemed to be figuring things out. I think she was actually on the way to taking control of the match. Won to, the second set. To the tune of like a 6-1 second set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then injured her knee. And she told us in press that she didn't really want to retire. That the trainer came out and didn't didn't really know what was wrong. But felt that, you know, it's up to you if you want to still play. And she said in the past that... She has had such a high pain tolerance that she's played through things that she probably shouldn't have before. So she came in to her press conference, kind of wrapped wrapped in ice. She hobbled. hobbled she hobbled, hobbled up the, the press conference. podium. So I don't know if that was because the ice was in the way or she was actually limping. No idea. Not going to spread any fake news here. We don't. She didn't know what the injury was. We don't either. Folks tried to ask her specific questions about the nature of the injury, and she was like... Listen, I don't know. I literally just came from the court here. Tests haven't been done. It's as foreign to her in that moment. Yeah. She was in surprisingly okay spirits because it could be very bleak. Because we have, from then, it was, you know, 10 days before the U.S. Open starts. She's got a lot of press responsibilities as the defending champion. You know there's going to be all kinds of bullshit 
swirling around her and Serena at this tournament. We've already seen it with the release of that ESPN documentary last night. There was already going to be a lot, a lot going on. And then for her to possibly show up at this tournament and either not be able to play or have to play at less than optimal physical strength when in fact she had just played herself into some seriously good form. It's not dissimilar to Serena. I mean, the the severity of the injury is probably much more than what Serena went through in, in Toronto, but both of them came to North America looking for some form, found some seriously good form, and right when it was time to, to parlay that into something tangible, injury struck. Well, you could say that about Venus too, just not with the injury. Yeah. She was able to find her form kind of at the 11th hour in her last tournament before the U.S. Open. That's about it for the women's side. Yeah, we've written a lot about it. We've talked a lot about it. If you want further insights, check out our TBS Diary reports, which are on thebodyserve.com. We wrote about six of them over the last week. On the men's side, last we spoke to you, we kind of assumed it would be something along the lines of a Djokovic Bautista good final. <laughs> we got neither. Okay, Bautista swiftly lost, like right after we said that, to Richard Gasquet. Gasquet made it to the semis and lost to Golfin. Gasquet, I think, is up to like just out of seeding territory now in the U.S. Open. He's like 33. Who remembers that Davy Goffin made the semifinals in Cincinnati last year? I certainly didn't. I do not remember. I was there, and I do not remember. He would have lost, I guess, either Djokovic or Federer, but... I did not. I was surprised. Credit to him that he went one further and made it to the final this year. It was his first ever Masters 1000 final. Mm-hmm. He had previously made the ATP finals final right. two years ago, losing to Dimitrov. And uh, I think it, it speaks volumes to this man's dedication and won't quit attitude that he was floundering months ago. And he strung together some good results, culminating in this run to the Cincinnati final. He's a slight guy. He's 5'11", a really small frame. In a lot of ways, you don't expect him to be able to do what he does on a tennis court because he's so little. He's the little engine that could, I guess. Is that, the, is that how you describe it? Uh, that's not how I described it, no. Oh, but that's... that's I the... don't think he's that little. Okay. <laughs> he's not a Schwartzman, okay. But Schwartzman is more stockily built. Mm. Like, I can see the power more from him than Goffin, if that makes any sense. Goffin has, like, a sort of a balletic quality in the backcourt. Like, he, you know, his strokes look very beautiful. And contrasted with Medvedev in the final, they looked quite different. The Mm -hmm. way they actually produced their strokes, right? But Medvedev was a lot more effective. You used a word to describe Medvedev over the last couple weeks. And that word is brazen. Yes, absolutely brazen because he's trying things that people don't typically try mm-hmm. especially against someone like Djokovic and executing yes so in the semifinals on Saturday evening Djokovic seemed to be off and running winning the first set I assumed he was gonna run away with the whole match and I think most people did the crowd in Cincinnati was very very supportive of Daniil they haven't always particularly loved Novak mm-hmm. especially last year when he played Roger Federer in the final uh, like clearly it was like 90% Roger 
it was very partisan. In the final, the the support was much more mellow for Medvedev. It, it was, but against Djokovic, the the atmosphere was dramatic. It was loud. You know, I am so so uninterested in this love support lack of for Djokovic business. I'm saying what I observe. I understand, but I still am not engaging with that. Um. Okay. Point is, they saw an underdog. And the crowd really got behind him. That that's a good way to because to spin it. He gave them a match too, yes. and and he attempted all of these things. These second serve aces, like five second serve aces against Djokovic. What are you? Who tries that other than Nick Kyrgios? But you see what you did there. Mm. You just actually gave concrete reasons for why the crowd would be behaving like that, rather than the initial setup, which was a little bit salacious. To my mind. Uh-huh. I'm not trying... To, it's my birthday, so you have to give me a little bit of a leeway here. Oh, I see. To, you know, not jump down my throat. I think that would that would lessen the quality of the product. <laughs> if I just agreed with everything. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a plausible explanation. Mm. Because what we saw a lot of was like, what is going on here? This is the defending champion. He had just gotten the Master Blaster last year. He would have gotten a second Master Blaster winning all of the Masters 1000s twice. Mm -hmm. And the crowd is all of a sudden not willing to root for him and to root against him. And then that can spiral into something really unpleasant. Like we've been down that road many times before. Right. But when you talk about it through the lens of Medvedev being that brazen, doing things so outrageous to stem the tide of what seems to be an immovable Djokovic. Mm -hmm. That's something that's actually wild and inspiring to watch in person right i think the crowd was probably a little bit shocked in especially in the third set djokovic was broken twice you know medvedev got an early break and was like okay this is still not over like look who he's playing Mm -hmm. even if he may be nursing this elbow injury that he mentioned the match was far from over but then he gets a second break and was like oh my god because on serve he was impregnable Mm-hmm. Hitting, I think he hit sixteen aces in that semifinal. A As bunch I said, of second serve five aces. of them were on second serves, and even when he wasn't hitting aces, there were a lot of unreturnables, setting up his forehand. It, he was just too steady. Like this was also somebody who lost six three six love to Rafa a week before in Montreal, mm-hmm. and sure he was probably exhausted. But matchups are very very important. Yes, he has a win over Djokovic before this. And why wasn't he exhausted this week? He's played, I think, 16 matches over the past 20, 21 days. Three weeks in a row. DC, Montreal, and then now again in Cincinnati. And in Cincinnati, the hottest and toughest of conditions of the three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. DC is like a swamp. Mm. I don't know how hot it was there. I can't remember. Question for you. Mm. Can we stand Medvedev? And also, should we stand Medvedev? <laughs> I, uh, I'm not ready to go down that road. I know there are a few of, of these things floating out there that I actually think we have talked about. There was the incident when he threw change at Mariana Veljevic, which is really bad. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a chair umpire. Um, and I suppose it was accusing her of corruption, symbolically. He's apologized for that. that was, I think that was two years ago. And then there was an incident, it was at the U.S. Open, right? Against Donald Young, where he accused 
the umpire and Donald of this sort of collusion, of which we've seen a lot in tennis. Dominika Sibulkova accusing Jenny Zhang and Xie Su Wei of speaking some language. Do you remember that? Yes. She said, you, you're speaking some language. I don't know what you're speaking, but you're talking to each other. Of course, Leighton Hewitt, James Blake. It goes way back. Players accusing umpires of colluding with players who speak their language or are from their country. Just this past week, Joe Kanta saying that the the Souza spouses wow. had colluded. That was a essentially. Thing. That was a thing. Yeah. So there's something going on here. Why this household? I have problems with this household. House of Souza has risen up against House Kanta. Mm-hmm. She actually, so she lost and then went on this tirade against the umpire and accused the family of colluding against her. So Medvedev has had these things uncomfortable. One was uh, racially tinged, to use the parlance of American mainstream media. I don't want to call it racist because I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, But he has a very specific appeal because he's kind of weird. He has the advantage of speaking English very, very well. His His game is strange looking right so he's very easy to distinguish from all the other next gen Mm -hmm. people what's interesting about him now for me as far as his game is concerned i always thought about him as competent and able to stick with the big guys yeah but maybe just a rung above a bautista good yeah great he moves great Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a big guy but where were the super duper weapons to be able to be exciting and we've seen that the last couple weeks yeah we have because it's not he can grind you down in rallies like bautista but he can also serve bot will you stand oh that remains to be seen nowhere near ready to to make a ruling on that i still hold him at arm's length i will still forever enjoy man you better shut your fuck up okay (laughs) that was that was a true gift and and the companion you're just a small kid who doesn't know how to fight. <laughs> that was back when we thought Stephanos was completely innocent. Yeah. Now we've seen Shoelace Gate. Oh, yeah. We've seen, uh, you know, we've seen him smash his uh, headset into smithereens at the next-gen finals. Change the racket at yeah. inop- inopportune times. <laughs> so you can see why people might get annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. It's not just jealousy over the face. You know, it's not just that. <laughs> Spare thought for... Yoshi Nishioka. Yeah, man. Dude was having the tournament of his life. He'd won a tournament before at a smaller level, but he had made his first ever Masters 1000 quarterfinal. And then, in effect, shit and barfed his brains out of the tournament. Wow. There could be children listening. (laughs) No, Yoshi... That's what he said. Yoshi overshares. That's what he said. I'm almost quoting verbatim. And this isn't the first time that he's overshared. He, He said... You know, talked about his diarrhea and stuff. And vomiting. Yeah. yeah. He ate a sandwich that was bad. And I uh, mean, are you that surprised? We don't know where the sandwich came from. <laughs> we do not know. Okay. I mean, American food, it, you know, it could have been a fried chicken sandwich and it may have been tainted. Listen. <laughs> Just stop. Players we saw for the first time this past week and our thoughts on them. Donna Vekic. It's possible I may have seen her at a tournament previously in previous years. I don't remember. 
But I was thoroughly impressed by her takedown of Vika Azarenka. I yep. thought she was yeah. able to place her first serve at will. She had groundies with pop. I thought the serve had more pop than I expected. I uh, I was impressed. Um, I was looking forward to seeing Christian Garin for selfish reasons. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he lost in the first round in singles, but he did play doubles with Benoit Pair, and they won a match, so I was able to see them play. You were able to find an outer court while there were other more important matches going on to do your personal research. Yes. And to be fair, I don't really like watching matches on center court there. I like the smaller courts i like to wander around and just take it all in i do not i get very bored stuck either in the media center or in the press seats get very restless diana yastremska we had seen her lose to serena williams pretty badly recently oh sorry i thought you meant we saw her in person get it together man it's been a long week and day (laughs) serena beat her in the third round of the australian open i believe six two six one We'd heard about her power. We'd heard about her promise. And while it didn't show in Australia, it showed definitely against Kuznetsova in Cincinnati. And she's shown it throughout the year. She's had some Mm. good results. And man, her power is legit. First time seeing Sophia Kennan. Sonia? Sophia? Thoughts? Um, Yeah, she's all right, I guess. I... I mean, I'm just, I'm not, like, I'm just not ready I was not ready to know her yet. Yeah, yeah. But I did go to her finals press conference, and she tries to be engaging. She, she answers your questions. Yes, she does try. She is eager on court. She's focused. So many times we make fun of or chastise the younger players for being everywhere but there on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. Hell, like, look at the match we saw with Sloane Stevens and Kuznetsova this week. Lord. Even when... She's not a younger player anymore. I'm just saying. It's not just a young person thing. Yeah. Even the veterans are understandably falling victim to situations and matches where they're just not all there. Sure. Yeah. The tour is tough. Mm. Week in, week out, and then you have to play in a hundred and something degrees on court. Like, who the fuck wants to do that? Before the US Open, you're like, "Mm, do I really care if I win one more round? But Kenan, to her credit, seems to be there every time and has... An admirable work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, her record over the past, well, specifically the past two weeks, but the past several months, beating Serena, beating Osaka and Barty in consecutive weeks, who were, sorry, that was uh, flipped, right? Yeah, that was reversed. Yes. (laughs) Barty and Osaka, each of whom were ranked number one at the time, Mm -hmm. because they flip-flopped between Canada and Cincinnati. And then also beating Svidalina in back-to-back weeks. Right. And also making the semifinals of Toronto and Cincinnati in back-to-back mm-hmm. weeks. Those are all big achievements. Yeah. And uh, her ball toss is wild. Yes, and she is tired of talking about it. She was not. She was playful <laughs> in answering that. But if you watch her, notice that she does not look at the ball as she tosses it. She kind of blind tosses it up in the air and somehow is able to find it in relatively the spot that it needs to be Mm. and can direct it wherever. Like, if it works, don't mess with it. Because, you know, we've seen the ball toss wreak havoc on players' careers. 
Medvedev, that was the first time we saw him live. We were impressed. I don't think we need to speak more on that. <laughs> yeah, impressed, definitely. Um, some of these players we've already seen. Well, we saw Shia in Rome for the first time. Yes. But we saw her briefly because you were not about that tennis life, that day.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, in Rome, in those uh, smaller side courts... You can like sit on that friggin' marble slab mm -hmm. and you're expected to look at all these different courts. Yeah. And it's very chaotic. We saw maybe two games, so it doesn't count. That's why I'm yeah. saying watching her in court 10 play Naomi Osaka in a three-set match, that was a more full picture of Suwe's game. Yes. And it's wild. It truly is wild. If she's losing badly, it can look like, how is she a tennis player? Mm -hmm. But when she's playing against Naomi Osaka, who is world number one, and against whom she clearly enjoys the matchup. She likes the pace. She's able to redirect the pace. She's also able to take the pace off and do all manner of bullshit to your opponent <laughs> on the tennis court. It's wild to see that up, court, yeah. up yeah. close. Andre Rublev dismantled Roger Federer in an hour. Uh... Another player that it's, it's strange to see how much power they can generate from such a slight frame. Mm -hmm. Ballsy is what I would describe him as. Nothing to add? I was actually at Osaka Shi when the Federer match happened, so mm. I don't think I saw Andre play at all. Mm. I saw footage. I don't think you saw any of Tsitsipas live, but I did. It was the first time I'd ever seen him. Because remember, he lost early last mm. year after coming mm. from Toronto? Right? The men, were in, been, yeah. men were in Toronto last year. He lost, but on the grandstand, the crowd was well into him. And I was taking pictures of him. And you learn a lot about a player's game by how they look up close through a camera lens. Mm. And as much as we think of Stefano Tsitsipas as a dramatic player, he photographs as such. <laughs> <laughs> you could take three sets worth of photos and not get as many good ones as you would photographing Tsitsipas for mm -hmm. three games. He he told us at the start of the tournament that he was tired and he was down a set and a break with Struff serving for the match. And as he was heading out to return serve and try and stay in the match, he got called for a coaching warning. Mm -hmm. And he lost his blob a little bit. Mind you, that could have been Patrick, because Patrick was there sitting beside Stefanos' father. Who knows what yeah. it was? I think it was actually Stefanos' dad, though. I'm just saying, I don't know for sure. If Patrick's there, some mess is in the vicinity. Mm -hmm. Right. It got Stefanos fired up. He broke, sent it to a third set, was all pumped up. The crowd was all pumped up. By the time that third set tiebreak happened, you could not get a seat on the grandstand. And the line to get in was about 10 deep, as mm -hmm. far as rows. Yeah. And he lost. <laughs> the crowd was not happy. But you got a you got a a pretty good idea of the Stefanos effect on the men's tour right now. Mm -hmm. He definitely is one of the players that has captured the crowd's imagination. Yeah. Some things that we saw personally around the grounds. Like you said, you like to just walk around and take things in. What were some of the things that you noticed? I feel like I saw a lot less that was interesting mm -hmm. on the grounds. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's usually some weird stuff happening, and I just didn't really see much of it. Mm -hmm. Or are you saying that you didn't really do your homework? 
because you knew this segment was on the paper and you just didn't really no like I, write stuff I can't down. think of anything you have one that's not very interesting but it's one I'd like to hear it <laughs> so the ESPN tent is right in front of uh, like the food court area and next to the Midwest sports clothing pavilion thing mm-hmm. and so it's really centrally located and people are like hanging out around it so there was this guy talking to brad gilbert like leaning over the barrier and he was wearing a backwards maga hat it said like trump 2020 make america great again but it was black and white lovely so you, yeah you wouldn't like notice it right away because it wasn't the hideous, so it wasn't red it wasn't the hideous red and white thing okay but it was backwards so brad couldn't see what was on his hat um, I don't know why that's notable. It's just that we don't see it in Canada, ever. Like, d- don't get me wrong. There are like Nazis here, you know. Yeah, we have them. We have incels. We I've, have all that stuff. We had a fascist run for mayor in mm-hmm. Toronto, but uh, yeah, we're just very like really insulated from that. So whenever I see it, it makes me very uncomfortable. And you do have to wonder if the hat were turned around, if you would have made it on air. Well, he wasn't on air. It, like, he was just chatting with Brad. Oh, okay. Yeah. You see, you're right. That really wasn't that notable. Well, you put it on the agenda. <laughs> I have a couple things. Before Novak's semifinal, I had just left the site for a little bit and I was about to come back in. And it was an area of the site, an entrance, where you never really see players. You usually see the players enter from... A different section, they get carted over to near the players' lounge and then they walk through the main part. I don't know where Novak was coming from. I don't know if he literally was just dropped off on site. It was like, pick me up with a golf cart here and take me to center court. <laughs> but all of a sudden I heard the golf cart and I look and there's this one guy in the front seat driving. And then sitting in the middle of the golf cart in the back, Novak is just sitting there with his hands in his lap, very upright, looking straight ahead and kind of smiling. At no one in particular. At no one in particular. It was just like, off to see the wizard. I don't know. <laughs> he does have excellent posture. It, it I, was I impeccable. It, it was impeccable. But there was nobody with him. It was the calm before the Daniel Storm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me tell. Let me intro this one. Okay. We're, we're walking down from the press room, which is like a thousand feet in the air. There's a huge staircase to get up there. You left a few seconds before I did. So I'm coming down the stairs, and I can hear your voice. I'm like, who is he talking to? He's talking to somebody. And but, then I, but listen, you weren't curious enough to hustle and find well, out. Well, I didn't want I to. was like half a staircase ahead of you. <laughs> you. You were also, I saw you were looking on your phone. You could have seen. No, so I turn the corner, and I see a lot of curly, bouncy, dark hair. And I'm like, oh, that's Shonda Rubin. Uh-huh. This bitch. <laughs> he knows that I've been wanting to meet her. <laughs> But I couldn't interrupt. I felt very shy, so I didn't I didn't join. I uh, could have caught up. I'd left the press room and I noticed somebody was behind me and I held the door and there she was. And so I I was like, well damn, can I even talk to her? And then I was like, well, we're both press, why not? It's not like I'm talking to a player mm. outside of official channels. And so I was like, uh, hi Shonda. <laughs> I think you do an amazing job. Nice to meet you. And uh we chatted for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was cool. She seems very nice. Yes. Very down-to-earth and matter-of-fact. She was. Just, she had like 20 minutes before having to get back to the Tennis Channel set. Mm. And there was free food in the press room. I think they were <laughs> serving some champagne that day as well. The last thing that I saw was I walked by Jason Goodall. And 
that is not notable in a, in and of itself. But he's the only male presenter that I've ever seen in actual head-to-toe suit attire. Yes. You usually see the jacket, the tie, the shirt, and then shorts. Mm-hmm. Which is weird when you see that walking around the grounds, right. right? Well, because you always think it's like a stereotype that news anchors or whatever wear shorts underneath. But uh, no, they do. It's really hot out there. No, Jason Goodall was dressed tip-top from head to toe. He is pretty dapper. A couple of etc. items before we finish with something that you might be happy about that we haven't told you is coming yet. So let's tease that out a little mm, bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. We learned today that Sloane Stevens has dumped Sven Grunfeld. Well, I, I don't know that she dumped him, but she announced on her Twitter today that they are no longer working with each other and thanks him for the time they've spent. That change is hard, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe I'm misleading. Yeah, that maybe. was a little dramatic the way you, you worded it. And that could be a hint as to what's to come. It could be. It could be. What can we say here about Mr. Sven? Uh, Probably nothing. Nothing? Would be the better option, yeah. It would be the better option. Mm -hmm. But uh, Sven is in this phase of his life where he has opinions on everything. And he shares them about everything. Mm -hmm. If there were an ATP tennis Twitter mansplainer council, he (laughs) would be on the board. He definitely would be. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an answer for everything. And okay. I, I'm just saying I can see how that may become a bit tiresome for somebody who has to see him every day. That's all. I can't stand you. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all wild speculation. I do not know this to be true. Mm. I'm just saying I can only go by what I see presented to me on Twitter. Alexandra Stevenson is joining the ESPN crew for the U.S. Open. That's interesting. Yes. A few years ago, she was trying to come back and play the minor leagues and and come back to tennis. She was still playing as of early last year. Really? Yes. All right. Not quite sure what her credentials are, but it would be in keeping with pretty much every other former tennis player who is now on air. So. Well, who knows? Maybe she's a better commentator than some of them. Yes. I was just trying to be a little bit shady. Uh Did it work? I don't know. We want to offer some thanks to some of our listeners that we met in person over the last two weeks. A few that we met in Toronto uh, at the couple night sessions that we went to and then in Cincinnati. Over to you, James. In Toronto, you met Bridget, Mm -hmm. who I actually wasn't able to meet that day. Bridget is from Calgary, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we had a lovely chat. And it was, it's, it's all, I told her. And I hope it came across the right way that it's always a bit surreal and weird for us to meet people who think we do a good job or even listen to the show or want to thank us. <laughs> you know, it's, we're just at home like we are now at the kitchen table talking to something and then have to labor and edit it and just put it out in the world. And we don't really mm-hmm. know who or how many people listen. And so to get that kind of feedback in person, considering the monotony of our lives in general, is it's, it's always <laughs> strange, but much appreciated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Nick we met in Toronto, which was awesome. Uh, Brian reached out on Instagram, and we met... Uh, it was after the Naomi-Serena match. Yes. Which, you know, was high stress. So it was good to to chill and have a chat with some new friends. <laughs> Molly we've met a few times before with her sister, usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically, Molly and Kathy, they're... I don't know if we're oversharing your business here, but they're twins. 
<laughs> we met with Molly this time, and she regaled us with a bunch of stories from the first few days yes, of the tournament. I loved it. I appreciated that she made mental notes of things that she thought we would enjoy, and we enjoyed that. Yes. <laughs> and finally, uh, Samantha, who is also from the southern Ohio area. Uh-huh. We met after, when it was after Svetlana's Svetlana quarterfinal. Yeah. So really awesome to meet everybody. And it's uh, it's gratifying to know that people are enjoying the show. And again, like you said, it's it's strange because I don't really feel like anybody. <laughs> but Yeah, I, I, I won't belabor that too much mm. because then people are going to think we're being disingenuous. Oh, okay, okay. But Samantha, that was truly wonderful. You will know mm. why. I don't want to put it all out there, but we, we thoroughly appreciate all that. Yeah. Now for the main event, something that we've gotten a lot of feedback on and something that's legitimately taken us by surprise as to how much folks are enjoying it <laughs> is our dramatic readings. And so we are going to have a couple press conferences that had notable exchanges that we are going to read dramatically. Mm -hmm. Because you need you really need to hear them to get the full context. Now, we're being a little dishonest because you're not hearing the actual player talk. No. But we're giving our interpretations. So the first one, I think we referenced this on the previous episode. I didn't edit that one, so I don't really know what made it in at the end. Uh, but this was a sequence where I believe Ben Rothenberg was asking Venus questions pertaining to the women's council. But it started off with a preface about the men's council and so Venus thought she was just being asked about the men's council and so she responded accordingly. <laughs> I guess I will be Ben in mm. this instance. There's been a lot of focus this year on the ATP council which just had a bunch of different moves and shakeups, internal controversies. The women's side seems to be a lot more tranquil at least from the outside. How are things going? I'm on the player council. I run two businesses. I play professional tennis. I do not know what's going on in the ATP. I just don't have the bandwidth. So, wishing them luck. Okay, let's let's reverse it. I feel like I want to have a go at it as well. The same thing? <laughs> the same thing, yes. Okay, same question. Uh-huh. No, no, do it. I'm not going to read the question. Okay. Again. I'm on the Players' Council. I run two businesses. I play professional tennis. I do not know what's going on in the ATP. I just don't have the bandwidth. Wishing them luck. <laughs> Next up. We have, let's do Ash Barty, because we're going to save the best for last. Mm. Truly, it was a gift. And I'm going to ask you this one, because shockingly, I think your Australian accent is better than mine. Well, well <laughs> that's too much pressure. And this one I can ask in my own voice, because I asked the question. Mm. After you missed a first serve at some point, you mimicked a cricket shot with your racket. Just wondering if you have any particular shot you're rehearsing. Cover drive? Straight drive? No, it was a pretty average one, whatever it was. Yeah, I was pretty pissed off the way I was serving, to be honest. I mean, I was probably lining up the ball to go of a cow corner, but I thought I'd better not hit out of the stadium. I just kind of backed out of that. That was, was terrible. No, that was pretty good. <laughs> it was an Australian accent. I just don't know if it was accurately hers. No, it wasn't hers. But I still think it was pretty good. Okay. Definitely better than I could have done. Would you like to explain to the listeners what the hell cow corner is? Because I sat there 
in the press conference and, and I was saying, did she just say cow corn? <laughs> what? Yeah, the stenographer, I had to explain to her as mm-hmm. well what it meant, how to spell it, how uh, yeah. many words it was, if it was capitalized. Cow corner means if you're in cricket, if you're playing cricket, you're a batsman or batswoman in this case, as Ash would be, you are, if you're right-handed, you're hitting the ball to a very specific part of the park and you're hitting it out of the park. So think of it akin to hitting a home run, but in a very specific part of the field. Mm -hmm. So if you're right-handed, you're swinging across your body and you're hitting it, if you're, say if you're looking straight ahead, straight ahead is 12 o'clock, you're hitting it between 9 and 11 p.m. out of the mm-hmm. park. So, And if you're a left-hander, it's the reverse. Yeah. If you're a baseball fan, if you, this is like a right-hander hitting to left field out of the park. Not quite, but uh, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a very specific part of the, of the park. Okay. You're hitting between mid-wicket and long on. But nobody knows Exactly. That that's why yeah. I'm giving you the dials on the clock. Okay. You're trying to like dumb it down even oh. further, but that doesn't work Okay, here. so between 9 and 11. Sure. You're right. Okay. If you're when, a right-hander, yeah, got it. Looking straight ahead, being twelve o'clock. Mm. In cricket, they name like every single part of the circle, basically, right? There, has, there has, are has like thirty different positions on the field. Mm-hmm. The last one pertains to the title of our previous episode, where Sloane Stevens gifted us with "If it's not one scam, it's another." Girl. All right. I'll be asking the questions in this one. Well, are we gonna? We should start from the. the we should start from the top. <laughs> yes. Okay, so you'll be Sloan. I'll be every reporter. Okay. You came here wanting to get a win this week, and you got it. How happy are you with this result? Yeah, happy. It's always tough playing that opponent. Just happy to get the win. What made the difference tonight, as opposed to the last couple of matches? I just tried to be more crazier than her. Do you feel you've achieved that? Oh, obviously. Do you feel like that's the key? I think so, yeah. You say that, but... No, no, not in my mind. Not like outwardly. Outwardly, you were, even by your standards, you were focused tonight, I felt like. Was that a conscious effort? I was trying to be zen because she will work your last damn nerve. Just had to, you know. She didn't seem like she was doing that that much tonight. Yeah, she was very well behaved, actually. That was like good behavior. There were only like 12 racket throws. To that point, what was going through your mind controlling that craziness that you said? Yeah, you just, I mean, it's its hard not to like see what's going on on the other side of the court because it's just like a lot of stuff happening. And I think sometimes if you get, you know, agitated or frustrated or whatever, that can kind of creep into what's happening and kind of affect play. I've played her enough now to know kind of how to navigate those situations. You obviously have to be very ready to play when you play her. Yeah, today, like I said, I just tried to be as calm as possible and just focus on my side of the net. I wasn't playing my best tennis. Like, it's been pretty inconsistent for me on the hard courts. I was just looking for a win and trying to fight through. Specifically at the end of the second set, when there was that long break, you were standing up, you were kind of walking around a little bit. What was going through your mind at that time as well? Nothing. Same kind of thing? Yeah, like, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not one scam, it's another. Like, it just comes with the territory. Wow. Your Sloan voice, like, the six to seven fans are going to be really annoyed by that. Why? <laughs> was it a disservice? Uh, no. It was It was a little too accurate, I think. Oh. Her cadence. 
Oh. Listen, she gave us life with that press conference. She did. We're just giving it further life and having it carry on. That's all. <laughs> Only 12 racket throws. <laughs> she brought her shady reading best to she that did. press conference. And we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Because we know the mess. Everybody knows the mess. The reason why what Sloan did worked so well is because we all know. We know the mess yes. that Putin Seva carries on with. We know how she's celebrated by some. Right. And it's easy to, to be amused when you're a fan, you're an observer, but as an opponent, I'm sure it can really get under your skin. Mm -hmm. Like it's something to manage out there. It's one of the many intangibles, you know? So I hope you enjoyed that dramatic reading segment. Mm -hmm. It's going to take us like two weeks to unpack everything. The place was so clean when we came back. I know it's a mess because our shit's just everywhere. Yeah. Our, uh, our dog sitter clean the house better than we left it for him my brother thank yes. you we thank you jeremy <laughs> thank you for listening we've been very active on our body serve twitter account we're going to try and maintain that yeah so you from uh during the u.s open i'm going to be tweeting from the, the body serve twitter account mostly but even during during the week regular mm -hmm. old weeks let's just try and keep up same with our our instagram we're going to try and keep up with it when it's not necessarily peak tennis time we have a lot of photos banked now mm -hmm. so bodyserve.com at the body serve on twitter and instagram my name is jonathan you can find me on twitter at tennis underscore john and i'm james at elliot jmr two l's two t's thank you to the handful of folks who wrote reviews for us on itunes we see them we thank you please if you have not yet given us a review on itunes consider doing so consider doing a five-star review <laughs> we thoroughly appreciate it it is one of the tangible ways like we always say that you can help build the profile of the show tell your friends word of mouth tag us on twitter tell your church friends tell your work friends <laughs> mm -hmm. and if you don't like it go tell your mama <laughs> sorry i'm so sorry or go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere Till next time. Thank you. Thank you very much.